you know, we want to create this sort of greater human connection. We just realize the importance in telling stories uh, because there's so much to learn from each other. It goes back to our kind of like uh, days, you know, back in the sort of bush in the jungle where we used to sit around campfires and share stories from, you know, uh, family to family and from era to era and these sort of things. And, and you just sort of pass things on. And there's also, there's a lot of... Um, empowerment i think in actually telling your own story or, or get or, or getting someone to tell you their story for the people that are listening because often people can relate to the stories and things that have happened um so if they can relate to it and this person's overcome it it empowers those people and gives them permission to kind of go and do the same you should actually sit down and record the people that are close to you we've had some buddies on our podcast that we think we've known. And when you sit down with people and actually have a one-way street and just really listen and care, when you feel like you're being listened to, that's such a great feeling. And we should all have that moment to be able to do that. And then when you go back into your normal everyday life, you start to listen just a little bit more and with a little bit more curiosity. And you realize like, listen, literally everyone has something cool in their life story and you just have to figure out a way of like getting there why keep stuff so superficial let's get in there and talk about what life's really about that's craig haywood and gareth martin and i'm brian falchuk the do a day podcast where you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times overcome them and have turned around to help others with what they've learned I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do a Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do a Day podcast. I have two people with me this week. This is a first. I've never had two guests on at once. Um, I've never even thought about doing that. It's kind of funny. I, I don't know if it's because I record remotely generally that it wouldn't have occurred to me to have two people on at once. But once I got to know these guys, it was like, how could I not have them on? And their connection to each other and the way they play off each other is really key. This is Gareth Martin, who's a life and executive coach based in London, and Craig Haywood, who's a chiropractor in Australia. They're together, the ridiculously human humans. I don't, I, we, I've talked to them about this, like how do I refer to you guys together? The ridiculous humans? I don't know. But anyway, they're not ridiculous. They're amazing. They're two incredible guys who, uh, they both happen to be South African, but didn't know each other growing up. Met after uh, getting connected through mutual friends and just really hit it off and had this connection around the idea of listening to people's stories and taking something from that. And so they eventually got together to launch this podcast, the Ridiculously Human podcast, and have people come on to tell their stories. So we get into why people's stories matter, why it's important for our society, why it's important for each individual, why it's important for the storyteller to tell your stories. It's really this 360-degree idea of giving back and growing and thriving. And They've grown so much from doing that. Two incredible people. I'm so glad I got connected to them. Thank you to Michael O'Brien. This has become a common, uh, common phrase for me. Thank you, Michael, for connecting me with some amazing people. But uh, I think this might have been the first connection he made after he and I first got to know each other. And um, oh, I'm so glad he did. Two incredible human beings. Yeah, let's get into it. It's pretty cool. Uh, just trying to work out who's talking when and 
um, you know, each of them has a take on their joint work together. And so it's really neat seeing that happen. So yeah, excited to bring you this really cool episode with two unbelievable people who care so deeply about humanity. And of course, there's a backstory behind why they do. There's a reason why they do the work they do. And they talk about that. And you can see their whole journey and their arc. Uh, it's just really, really interesting. So take in the ridiculously human humans. If you think of a way to refer to them together, by all means, reach out and let me know and I'll share it with them. And we will uh, we'll jump in the episode right now with Craig and Gareth. Gareth and Craig, thank you for joining me on the show. The two ridiculously human, are you humans? Is that ridiculously human humans? Ridiculous humans? I don't know how to refer to you guys in the plural. Is there, <laughs> is there an agreed upon phrase for what you are i think we still struggle but we don't like we don't really know <laughs> but um no there's no plural yet but we, we we've thought of a few names but uh i think uh yeah none of them have actually really stuck yet or kind of rolled off the tongue you know <laughs> we've, tried, like, we've uh, tried to float uh rumens for a bit but uh we, we're not uh <laughs> hasn't cut on yet we're not convinced yeah <laughs> yeah ridiculous like no, no. <laughs> it's, that's uh, a different show yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, either way, I'm excited to have you guys on. It is, it is really funny. Like we just recorded. Um, when this is being recorded, my episode of your show is coming out the next day. We recorded last week. Um, I have no idea when your episode on my show is coming out. Some some point in the future. Uh, <laughs> but it's like crazy how small the universe is and how much we suddenly realized we're overlapped or like you guys were saying you're researching another guest and heard my interview with that person as part of your background like not knowing fast forward a few months like we'd all be connecting it's it's, it's a small world like for sure it's, it's definitely it's become really clear to me since you guys came into uh into my world yeah it's amazing like all these convergences which kind of seem to be happening right now and like yeah i don't know why like why do these things happen it's, it's really kind of interesting and um even uh like you said i was listening to that podcast with you and claude silver and then um yeah then we kind of just got introduced and it was just like really sort of fascinating and um yeah who knows why but it's i'm we're really stoked that it's happened because yeah. you're a legend and we had a great chat with you and now we're looking forward to chatting with you on your show. Awesome. And Claude's the one who introduced Michael O'Brien to me, who introduced me to you. Like it, there's definitely yeah. some, I think Michael O'Brien's the, the glue in the, the universe, but uh, either way, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Um, and yet, yeah, randomly not knowing that you guys knew her, I talked to Fei Wu this morning outside of Boston, like again. So there's, there's some, uh, some convergence going on, but it's good stuff. Um, I'm not totally. going to complain. Uh, no, People who are listening for a while would know I've never had two people on at once. So this is, uh, this is a learning experience for me too, so it'll be fun. But I got to figure out how to understand what your show, Ridiculously Human, and what the work you guys do is without having you both talk over each other. So I don't know who wants to go. Um, <laughs> well, but yeah, I want to know what you guys are doing. And I know you do your own things too, but do I, do yeah. I kick it to one of you? Do I say, like, yeah. Craig, you want to fill us in on what you're about? Gareth, you don't matter at the moment, but you will shortly. <laughs> is that fair? We'll both have a crack at it. I think, right. thank you, first of all, for having us on. This is yeah. a real honor and a pleasure because we've, you know, we had such a great chat with you on our show. And, and literally, you know, we all said it afterwards. It was just so great to, to feel this, like, camaraderie and this buddyship and mateship. And uh, I think we all kind of felt the same way. Yeah. And then that's also still off the back of this, like you said, this convergence. And uh, yeah, we just had the, the best time. So 
uh, we are just super grateful to be on your show and uh, we love what you're doing. So, so thanks for that. Thank you. So we're, you know, we, we're uh, two guys, we're from South Africa and uh, we, we buddies from other, you know, brothers from other mothers, as we always like to kid about, but we are, we are quite serious about what we do and we love what we're doing. We, we're dealing with human beings and as the name suggests, and uh, we basically are really just about finding a voice for people that uh, maybe are a un- bit of an unsung hero and we're finding connections in people's stories. So immersing ourselves in, in people's stories to really sort of glean what makes them so human, what connects us all as human beings, isn't it, Gareth? Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess like how this also came about was um, Craig and I met actually on the dance floor in Ibiza and uh, <laughs> through through some mutual friends. And um, like ever since that day, we basically both caught up on like many trips because Craig used to live in Europe, in Holland. And uh, we would always catch up and would have these like amazing conversations, not just Craig and I, but like the, everyone that was with us. And we we're like, wow, we should we should really record these because they're such cool conversations and other yeah. people could probably relate and maybe be interested in it as well. And that's what we said one day on a pub crawl when we were in Madrid, we were like, okay, let's start a podcast. And then three years later, we started it when, when the timing was right. And, um, we've always, I think both of us, even though we, we never knew each other in South Africa, like we only met each other six years ago. Um, but we've both always really been interested in humans, Mm. um, and human behavior ourselves. And, you know, we both got stories of like our grandfathers who, used to be great storytellers and um, used to just sort of captivate us with with their stories. And I think that was where it almost started, where that, you know, you got, became intrigued from an early age of listening to people and their stories. And we, got, I guess, realized there's so much to share when you tell your story or tell other people's stories or listen to their stories. What's, what's the goal in doing that for you? Because I know why I try to bring stories out and um, I'm cheating because I kind of know the answer, but for everybody else's <laughs> sake, like what's what is it you're trying to achieve by sharing these stories? Well, I think the first thing we tried to achieve originally was was a bit of a selfish thing, right? We we just love hearing people's stories and we were we were trying to learn from them ourselves, you know, from a real sort of personal level. We were just like this is we're just getting so much from hearing what other people are doing in their lives, how they solve problems, what they're doing. And so it's kind of started from that place and then Obviously, as we went along, we realized that, you know what, there, there's such a need for for just listening and and being connected to other people. And at the end of the day, you know, everything we do in life is with others. And so actually, we shouldn't just have some fun and have a little hobby. We should try and, you know, do more with this because actually we feel that there is a place for this kind of storytelling in a digital world. You know, we we feel like we're becoming more connected in this world, but are we actually and, you know, and we want to use those tools that are out there to create some connection with each other. And I guess from the from the inside, that was our sort of our real driving force. It wasn't really in originally, oh, we're going to start a business or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think now it's like kind of morphed into, you know, we want to create this sort of greater human connection. And um, we just realize the importance in telling stories uh, because there's so much to learn from each other. Mm. You know, this like, like it goes back to our kind of like 
days, you know, back in the sort of bush in the jungle where we used to sit around campfires and share stories from, you know, uh, family to family and from era to era and these sort of things. And, and you just sort of pass things on. And we kind of like, we like to think of this as the, the modern age version of doing that. Mm. And there's also, there's a lot of, um, empowerment, I think, in actually telling your own story or, or get or, or getting someone to tell you their story for the people that are listening, because often people can relate to the stories and things that just have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they can relate to it and this person's overcome it, it empowers those people and gives them permission to kind of go and do the same. And then also for the person that's actually telling their own story, it's amazing how, how, um, we don't actually uh, tell our stories that much in in day to day lives. Like most people don't actually get to do it. So a lot of people actually find it like quite a therapeutic process or just an enjoyable process. Actually, saying these stories out in like our two hour long podcasts. Yeah, and that's also why we we were so stoked that we were discussing this before we got on the show about Rich Roll having um, you know his dad on the show because we've got we we always said like you should actually sit down and record the people that are close to you. We've had some buddies on our podcast that we think we've known. And when you sit down with people yeah. and actually have a one-way street and just really listen and care, when you feel like you're being listened to, that's such a great feeling. And we should all have that moment to be able to do that. And But also, you also find cool stuff out about your buddies and your friends and your family. And then you, if you just extrapolate that, that becomes you, Brian, or someone else. But it's at the end of the day, you realize, okay, cool. There, there's so many great stories in every, literally in everybody's story. There's, there are gems there. And, and then when you go back into your normal everyday life, coming back to your original question, why do you do this? You know, like you start to listen just a little bit more and you, and you, and with a little bit more curiosity and you realize like, listen, literally everyone has something cool in their life story. And you, and you just have to figure out a way of like getting there. And that's the stuff like, why keep stuff so superficial? Let's, Let's get in there and talk about what life's really about. Yeah. I, I'm watching your facial expressions to see like, okay, don't say anything because the other one's about to jump in or what. So Gareth, I, th- <laughs> I thought you were about to jump in with something. So I don't want to cut you off if you had something. No, no, but okay. you can go ahead. my well, man. <laughs> So I'm, I, I am really curious about the reasons behind it. So definitely the, uh, I love this sort of like passing down from the generations, like what is the human condition? What is our condition as a people? Like whatever a people means, like our, you know, our ethnic group, our folks in our country or whatever it is, like those stories are how we actually collectively feel who we are, not just what we get out of textbooks or learn in history class. Um, so I, I see that piece of it. I see the benefit for the storyteller. There's something really cathartic about going through your own. I mean, it's like anyone who's given their history, uh, their medical history, when they go for their annual checkup with the doctor <laughs> is like, you know, they start to, oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, I did want to mention this to you. And just sort of going through it, you start to remember things about yourself or about what matters. And um, you always kick yourself afterwards like, oh, you know, I meant to say this other thing. So just sort of exploring yourself and thinking about you, you find that a lot. I, I do coaching people like uh, Gareth you're a coach as well yeah yeah like yeah. Where, where people start to say things and they kind of have their own epiphany just mm. from sharing the story so I see the the benefit there as well but I think the last is it is around that that aha moment for the listener not just taking in the history and everything but finding that point of connection and seeing something that resonates with them that might get them to think a little bit differently 
that then like my experiences could help craft yours or shape yours and vice versa. Um, but I'm, uh, yeah, no, go ahead. No, 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 okay, right. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna say the last thing is in Faye and I were talking about this this morning is a lot of people don't think they have a story to tell. And so I think that's the other piece is it's not that it's easy to find interesting people to have on, but there's a lot of people out there, you know, like myself, you know, putting out all the time, like, oh, check this out, check that out. Here's this article I wrote. Like there's those of us who are trying to make a splash with our story, but then there's so many people who don't have a voice or have a voice, but have quieted it themselves because they presume they don't have one. Mm. Like that's Faye and I were really getting into like, well, my story's not interesting or I don't have anything to say. And she, she was coaching leaders around being able to find their voice and realize like they're worth hearing. Um, so I'm curious, like how much do you find people who maybe like, maybe it goes back to the early days where it's just, you know, your mates sitting around talking. They're not people who would necessarily be like, I'm going to take a stage and tell my story. Mm. Um, cause sometimes those are them or often maybe those are the most interesting ones. The ones that are sort of hiding under a rock that people didn't think that they have something mm. to share. Are you finding uh, well, that? I, I find that, um, yeah, like, I, like, I don't know, like it, people don't realize that they, they have a story. That's for sure. And, um, I think with this world, like now being so like transparent and complex and whatever, we are able to easily, uh, more easily find like people we can relate to. And, um, that's, that's a good reason to tell your story because, um, you can actually find each other a lot easier now. And I'm kind of not hundred percent sure about the, the exact question, but like Neither am we've I. <laughs> <laughs> cool stuff. Okay. Good stuff. So, so just talking more a bit about stories then. So, um, what we found, um, is like listening to, to friends, like Craig said, um, there, there's been so much that we found out about them that we didn't really know that. And then just through listening to their stories, we've actually started appreciating them so much more because you're like, wow, flip, you mean, I didn't know this about you while we were growing up and we were at school together and you yeah. mean, you know, this and this and this happened. So it kind of like, it, I think it really makes you appreciate people more by, by hearing their stories and things that they've gone through. Um, because it's not what it seems like on the outside, that's for sure. It's actually almost the complete opposite, yeah. you know, like what is actually going on. Um, you never really know. So I guess learning lessons for us as well is just to be massively respectful about people because honestly, like this this sort of facade we kind of put on is, is a real protection mechanism. Um, but uh, when you start taking those layers off a little, you know, and going a little bit deeper, you start finding out the the real stories what make this these people up. And um, most of the time it's really inspiring because you're like, whoa, that was tough. Yeah. You know, you you handled that really, really well. And and also like you both saying there, like that facade, I think the value, some value to some degree of of storytelling is is we are having or seeing a lot of a facade through social media, as you mentioned, like people want to tell their story, but a lot of people want to tell a certain side of their yeah. story. And so we, we're very quick to, to feel like that's reality. So I think this, the kind of work that we're doing, you know, to punt ourselves a bit up here a little bit, it, it's, it's cool because you, you're hoping to just have the reality of things, you know? Yeah. And I think people in the, in the world these days are, are like, are yearning for some kind of just tangible reality and through the storytelling, it gives people permission to feel like 
oh, you know, like what a relief, like, okay, you also have felt that, or you know what, just because I've heard it from you, maybe I might feel more comfortable to, to say my, tell my truth to someone else. And I think that's kind of a cool thing to have as well, but just because it's, it just opens us up to, to exactly what you said, Gareth, like removing some of that facade and, and social media is going to amplify the reality at the end of the day. So, yeah. so let's just try and, you know, talk about it. Yeah. Well, let's get into your stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, Craig, you're, you're a fellow, f- fellow PhD. I think I, I brought you in on that term, the previously heavy dude. Uh, <laughs> give Adam Shively credit for that. Um, wh- I want to get, I'm a big backstory person. So I want to understand like the grass is green to the front to everybody, but there's a lot of gardening that got that grass that way. So what, I like you know, what, what brought us, what brought you to that point? Cause you're, for those who, who uh, have not seen what you look like, you are not the fat kid anymore. No, no, you're quite not fit. anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, what's, what's your backstory? So yeah, uh, thanks for asking. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, our stories, when you, we were talking the other day, I was just like, wow, that's, uh, I, I was nodding my head a lot because I felt very similar parents, a bit of a rough childhood, um, you know, real brief. And I just, I, I, I felt like a protection mechanism was to eat and it was comforting. And I also felt hungry all the time just because I was, it was just some sort of way of, of having control over something, you know, um, when in a, in a frenetic, um, home situation and, um, also being sort of the youngest and, and trying to be the peacekeeper the food became my, my, my buddy, you know, it's definitely and then, the youngest peacekeeper role. Oh, I hear that come up crazy. a lot. Yeah. How weird is peacekeeper that? Though, with hey, your like, parents, with your siblings, with both? No, mostly my parents, but, and, yeah. uh, cause I was being the youngest, my brother and sister left the home. So you left yeah. at home on your own and then yeah. you kind of have to deal with everything, you know? So look, I mean that, that as you mentioned, like in your story, it, it's not such a crazy story, but it is like, it's just, it's the reality. I still ended up eating and becoming overweight just because of that. You know mm. what I mean? Like, and it's still enough of a trigger. Someone else might've had something way more crazy happen, but that, that's still like what should triggered a lot for me. And I ended up later on having quite a lot of health issues. Um, and I still think maybe it was linked to that. So I've had to deal with that. And then later on having this, or diagnosed, was diagnosed with an autoimmune issue. And I do think that that, that has a major, um, both of those things have had a massive influence on the stuff that I do now in the health mm. industry. Um, and, uh, so, so once again, like, are these things happening to me or are they happening for me is, is a massive thing to be asking ourselves. And, uh, so look, the, the, when you hit the teenagers, you, you, you chubby, you, you, the, you know, the, the girls are not checking you out. Your mates are, are, are like meeting girls and, and you become, it's can make it worse, you mm. know, and it amplifies those negative emotions on some degree. So, you know, like with anything, whatever your story is, um, you have to work through these things. And ultimately, I'm, I'm grateful that I had the wherewithal to to sort of get myself in shape and, and not just continue down that path for whatever reason. And and probably it was an ego thing initially. I didn't want to be fat because I wanted to be liked. And mm-hmm. so I got myself in shape. It wasn't like I want to be healthy. <laughs> but did you just wake up to that or did something? Because it's, it's one thing to have that feeling. It's another to take the action and it's yet another to continue with the action enough that you actually do transform. So what, what was different that made that happen? Cause I'm sure you had plenty of moments where you're like, you know, I got to stop, I got to change, I got to, you know, and then same story every day. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That wasn't easy. 
it, like I said, it was it was ego, hundred percent ego. I wanted to I wanted to have muscles. I wanted to be liked, and um, I didn't want to be fat anymore. And I and I looked at my mates that were slim. They were just like they had all the friends and what have you. And um, and then I started hitting the gym. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just a, a lucky sort of thing that I that I had that ego trip when I was that age because if I didn't really care, I, I think I would have just kept on that path. You know yeah. what I mean? And sometimes that's enough to. Um, and I, I think I, in our chat we we spoke about the ego, and I think sometimes there is a role for it. And in in that case, there there was a, a sort of a catalyst for me to to get my my ass into gear, so to speak. Yeah. But Craig, what what age was that 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 happened that you kind of started changing things? Like thirteen, but so it's as soon as those hormones kicked in, I was getting oh wait, uh, there's girls. Hang on, there's you know, and I literally lost like all the weight within like about a year. Um, I just like went, I just changed everything. So it yeah. was a quite a quick, it was a quick change, turnaround. I remember seeing my cousins, I see them like once a year and then I <laughs> I visited them the one day. They still laugh about this and I rock, I get off the airplane and they, I like walk right past them. They like didn't even recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, man. Yeah, it's funny, man. And so, then you so never that, looked that was, back after that change, you never struggled with it again? No, I did. That's the funny thing. Like when I was at university, I also just like, you know, poor student eating rubbish, stressed out, yeah. and, and the same old triggers, the comfort, I think, you know, and carbohydrates, the great combination. Uh, and, uh, and, and that was me. I was like back on track to, to be chubby again. And I had to still deal with stuff, as I probably still am, but, you know, to some degree uh, on some level. But that, that I think it's done now, you know what I mean? Like that, that, was, that was the second rebound where I was like, got to get my, you know, my act together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just grateful that I, that I was able to do that. But I, like as I, as I said, I was mentioned with, I uh, uh, was diagnosed with an autoimmune issue. And that was when I really started to like delve deeper and go like, okay, what's the real root here? What's really happening? Uh, why is my body reacting to my, you know, to, uh, to itself? Um, and that's when I looked into health like properly for the yeah. first time. So you hadn't been on the path, like you're, you're a chiropractor now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you hadn't you hadn't started to explore that path yet, or were you already down that road? No, no. it was during during Cairo school that I sort of went down that path. Yeah, okay. But there's also a cool story about like how you ended up becoming interested and doing chiropractic. Yeah, there was a, it was a funny story. So this is I why I like little... having both of you. <laughs> Second, you put on autopilot a little bit because yeah, you all know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got this. I'm kidding. Um, no, we. No, we. Uh, I had a little sausage. I'll. I'll be brief with the story. Um, I don't want to, you know, make this the Craig show. So, um, we. I had a little sausage dog, and uh, her poor little back was just in in horrible. She was just cramping up. Her little ears were sad, and and her eyes were down. And we were like, oh, this poor thing. What's going on? And Anyway, this is being Africa. The the vet said, "Oh, take the dog to the chiropractor." And I was like, "Oh, that's that's kind of that's weird, you know? Like, what the hell is a chiropractor? I didn't even know." My mum had seen a chiropractor, so we we phoned him up. He's like, "You know what? A nervous system's a nervous system. Bring the dog over." And, and so after work, we bring the dog in. Long story short, dog's over the knee, you know, do its little thing. And at this stage, she had been dragging her back legs because it had gotten so bad, which happens to them, and before my eyes, she, he did his thing and she walked out of the room. So she'd come in with her legs dragging and then she walked out. So oh. I'm like, hang on a second, what just happened here? Yeah. And uh, that was at 17. So it's quite a sort of a uh, influential age. And that's when I said, mom, 
that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. So, wow. <laughs> um, it was, a, it was a real, really one of those moments. And then I spent time with this guy and he was just literally the most amazing man. Just, you know, when you, I guess that helped, you know, when you have this inspiring person on the back of having an event like that, yeah. uh, I guess, it's, you know, it's really, it's, it's another reason why I want to do this kind of thing now, because someone out there can see the, the passion in someone else's eyes and, and the, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but when you see that it's infectious and that it helps youngsters to be like, you know, I, I want to do more and be more in life, you know? Yeah. He was, he was your version of Andre, wasn't he? Great. Yeah, Mr. Andre. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Andre. <laughs> yeah. hundred yeah, percent. He just took me under his wing and showed me, gave me books, you know, and I'd, I'd never really read books. It was the f first book I really was like super keen on reading. I read the book in like a day oh. and you know, then, then you know, you're on the right path of something, yeah. isn't it? When you curious about stuff <laughs> you found there was a spark ignited in you for sure yeah 100 yeah. yeah and so since, so cool. since that journey and then subsequently figuring out through your own health scare uh it i'm guessing like that really was a path forward that you haven't turned back from yeah yeah 100 yeah, so uh, yeah 100 so like the, you know we often speak about this uh, hey gareth like you have to take some control in your life whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it has to start on the inside. You, you cannot look outside for stuff continually. And that's obviously the path that I was on because that's how we get taught. You go to the doctor, someone, the doctor tells you X, Y, Z, and then you do it because that's what you've been told. And, you know, the financial advisor, whatever it is, it's always the same story. But we're more and more and more, and I'm still realizing this, you just have to delve deep no, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. No one knows it all. So why don't you become the expert on your own body, on your own mind yeah. and your own finances, your own small little circle of influence. And if you can sort that circle of influence out, you can just start influencing from there, you know, and it's concentric circles expanding, but it has to start from within. And, and that was really the thing that's really still like really twigged within me. It's like, um, no one really knows it all. And no one really has, like, no one really cares that much about you. They do. Your pep, your mother loves you. Your father loves you. Your wife loves you. Your kid loves you. But at the end of the day, you still have to start the, yeah. de the deepest layers you. And, and I guess we all kind of agree on that one. Yeah. I mean, that's thinking about the food situation. You know, you described as control. You also talked about as comfort. It's like you're, you're looking to the food to provide those things that ultimately like the reason why you will never stop being hungry if you're looking to food to give you control and comfort is food doesn't do that only you can mm -hmm. do that so you, mm -hmm. you're talking about all these aspects like ultimately the answer is always the same is to come back to the self um, mm -hmm. and fixing that that's to me that's when it becomes like it's not like then the third time i had to lose weight it's like there is no yes. third time that's right it's just like no I'm a, i i've I've looked within and I will always continue to. It's not that the work is done, but I'm now in touch with something that means I don't need these crutches externally right. to try to solve for that. Well, yeah. that, that's, that's amazing that you're on that path and that you, Thank you yeah. um, you're, you know, you've chosen to help inspire others in the same way through the Thank work you, that yeah. the two of you are doing. That, that's awesome. So Gary, I think the big thing, sorry, just the biggest thing is to, to find, looking fear in the face, look those things in the face. That's the hardest part. You, you, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. And I just wanted to add that, like, that's, that's like the, the real crux of it. Like 
you have to find those things inside of you that that you're uncomfortable and don't like looking at. And I think that's the hardest part initially, you know. So so just just realize people listening, like if you if if it is hard, it's probably the right thing. You know, mm. like if you if it is tough to look at yourself on the inside and take take responsibility for your situation, that's not always easy. It's much easier to blame others. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, Gareth, uh, the bar's pretty high. <laughs> but, but then Craig jumped in and, and raised it another notch. That was yeah, that, no, that's very true. It is you're you're a hundred percent spot on. Um you have to be okay with being uncomfortable and and that's that's almost a sign uh that you need to do the, the work. Um yeah. and, and don't shy away from it actually. If you're uncomfortable with something, go further into it. Figure out why that is until you're comfortable with it or you understand yeah. the source of that discomfort. Yeah. Well, thanks. Gareth, what about you? You were not the fat kid. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't. But um, I think like a similar thing, I guess, with all three of us is there's, there's like family issues. Yeah. Mm. In our relation, in our, you know, family structure. And my, my folks got divorced when, when I was nine and it was, it was messy. Like I won't lie. Like it was really looking back now, it was, it was pretty nasty and pretty messy. And I guess I kind of, delved into something and I got addicted, but I got addicted into like sports and fitness mm. and these sort of things. And I always like, I don't know, I was like always big into my swimming and, um, that as a youngster. And, uh, I just found a lot of comforts in sports, like individual, like individually as a swimming, like I love that. I love the, the competitiveness of it. I loved being like able to do things myself and find my, like, just have a bit of time to myself. Um, but then I also, love team sports like mm. team sports i don't know just i've always thrived around people and just use that energy of people to kind of motivate me in life and and i i, I noticed this more and more and more like you know especially now when i'm like working i'm working for myself you know and like lots of the time it's from home and i'm like there's something missing in my life and and what what it's missing is missing that human interaction yeah. and i realized that that i my whole life i've thrived on other people and, uh, and need them around me for, for my own energy. And, um, it, it really kind of helps govern me in my life. Um, so something big and, and which was the biggest, probably the best thing that ever happened to me in my life was when I was 16, I was in, a um, I was in a really bad motorbike accident and, um, I was pretty much on my deathbed. So a guy hit oh. me going at 80 Ks an hour. I was going 80 Ks an hour on my motorbike. And he was drunk at like four o'clock in the afternoon and we had a head on collision and, um, something in this world looked after me. That's for sure. And, uh, the, the people that were witnesses said that they, they, they saw me fly like I flew as high as the telephone poles <laughs> and about like 50 meters. Um, and my best mate was behind me on his motorbike and two cars behind us was, um, was a off duty paramedic oh, and, wow. uh, he had in, in the boot of his car, he had like a defibrillator and a couple of other things, you know, that, that he did, well, he just carried around with him yeah. because he was a paramedic. And if it wasn't for that guy, then I was gone. Yeah. I was like, it, it, literally that guy saved my life because uh, I was like sort of drowning on, in my own blood. And, um, I was just, you know, my, my helmet had came or come off. And I, I mean, I was, you know, just this heap of body just lying there on the, on the side of the road. So it, that was, I mean, and then obviously my recovery was, 
it was like a few months and stuff and yeah uh, they, they didn't know if i was going to kind of make the first night and these sort of things um but looking back i mean i'm i'm fine i'm 100 fine and and it was truly a blessing in disguise because i feel that my outlook on life the way i see life i think is i don't know i've always i'm always optimistic i, I just it's it's built in me I, I think it i think i was always optimistic but i think now i'm just super optimistic and i always try and try and look for the good things and you never know when it's going to get taken from you mm. and it's not your choice like literally you have no decision do you know what i mean you don't know when this next drunk driver is going to be driving and you know just hit you or whatever the story is you know there, there's so many examples of this and um yeah i just every day i like treasure because that happened to me so um yeah it's just kind of it's made me when i look back now like in terms of decisions i've made in my life like just going overseas when i was 18 and not not basically knowing anybody not having university just whatever um it, it was i guess kind of a big decision looking back but i was just like well what's what's the alternative you know mm -hmm. they'll and you've just got to make the most of things so so yeah that was kind of like a very um a big moment in my life, which I, which I'm really actually thankful for, because who knows what the what the alternative was if that didn't happen. See, this is this is what blows me away. I mean, it, your story blows me away. That is, like, I, I think it's next to impossible to hear you say that without picturing things. Mm -hmm. um, so wow. And of course, uh, on the back of of having just read Obi's book about his accident, you know, then it's got all these other thoughts swirling in my mind, but. This point that you're hitting on right now is a really crucial one. It's something so many of the people that I've been lucky enough to interview that have something really traumatic happen to them. And some of them are not okay. It depends how you define the word. But, you know, like, I don't know if I mentioned this guy, Evan Ruggiero, who I interviewed, who lost his leg as a teenager. Mm. And he's a tap dancer. So, like, you mm. need your legs. Um, wow. And he still dances today, but he does it on one leg and a peg leg. And he's been on, on wow. TV and he's heading to Broadway and like all that, you know, he's making his dreams come true anyway. And he doesn't talk about losing his leg as like, you know, worst thing that ever happened to me. I still, every day, I wish it was there. Um, this guy, Josh Perry, who uh, I definitely want to connect you guys with, but he's got brain tumors. He was a pro BMX rider. He had to stop riding because he crashed because that's how they found out he had the tumor. Because, you know, it threw his balance off, his vision and all that. And um, wow. he's so thankful for his tumors. Mm. They're inoperable. They're not cancerous, but they're, you know, like, wow. I guess he would say they're not affecting his life in a negative way because he's controlling them through diet and, and mindfulness and a number of other mm. practices. And in a sense, it's like they're affecting his life in a good way mm. because of all that he's doing as a result of having them. And I keep I keep reflecting on these are people who, so many of us in their shoes would have gone dark. And, mm. you know, I think about Michael in his recovery going to that darkness as well, but then coming through it. And so I th I'm thankful that you shared that. And you sound really pure and clear on the positive side of it. But I'm guessing you didn't just like come out of, you know, I'm assuming you were unconscious or whatever after the accident. You were like, oh, good. You know, like there's a process for that. Right. I, I would imagine like it wasn't all roses right off the bat. So how do you go from these moments to looking back and saying, you know, to echo the, the sentiment that Craig shared before is like this happened for me, not to me. 
you see, I, my, I, I think I was super fortunate when it came to my recovery because your brain just switches off, right? And it's, it remembers, it, it doesn't remember certain things. So it really, really protects you. And my mom is a nurse and she, uh, she had seen all this kind of stuff um, already. And actually she came to the scene and she, she kept, she kept me alive. Like while, while wow. they're waiting for the ambulance and stuff to come. So after a few weeks in hospital or, or a month or something, I'm not sure the exact time, but she said, I'll take, I'll take Gareth home and, and I'll look after him because she just knows, you know what I mean? She's yeah. basically done that her whole life. And I don't know. I don't really like personally, I don't remember having any like dark moments at all. And I, I don't know why, like maybe also once, once again, it's just your mind shuts things off, but I'd, I'd never remember like kind of feeling sorry for myself. All I remember, bud, is I remember feeling so much love. Like I, I've never had so many visitors <laughs> in my life. Not, not, not that I like, I, I don't actually remember almost anything about the hospital, yeah. like, like literally almost nothing. But I do remember like there was like, you know, figments of my memory, like remembers there being tons of people there. And then when I came home, I had like just endless amounts of sweets and cards and letters and whatever. And, I, and that's what kept me going. I was like, wow, people are so amazing. Like, honestly, I, I've still got these things now to this day. Like, and, and the, the notes were just incredible. Um, so I never, I never went anywhere else. And I just always felt this love. Like, like I said, my mom, she just nursed me back, you know, yeah. and she, I, I remember like she would bath me and, and I was like a, I was a 16 year old guy. So, you know, 16 year old, you kind of stop bathing with your mom and she stopped checking you naked and these <laughs> sort of things in yeah. a way, you know what I mean? So, but of course I was half conscious, half not conscious, but she would literally bath me almost twice a day. I think, um, she would sit me at the end of the bed um, she would take my hand cause my, my, it, well, my whole body was like this full of gravel and glass and everything like that. And it takes a long time for this stuff to come up out of your, out of your skin. Yeah. And she would sit there like for, for like an hour, like each night helping, um, take the glass out of my hands, rebandage me and all these things. So I just, I think I was super fortunate. I just had all this love and, and care and, um, I guess attention that, that just really helped me through it. And, um, it, it, it just, I don't know, I, I just, um, recovered super quickly. And, and for some reason I just had a good attitude about the recovery and it's, um, I think we all just have this in us, you know, we don't know how we're going to react until things actually happen. You don't know when there's a fire in the building and like, you know, whatever it's falling down, how you're going to react. But I think a lot of our, um, human instincts like, um, sort of make us go a certain way. And I was just really, really lucky um, that, uh, mine was like, well, now you've just got to go and you've just got to use recovery and use this love and, um, make the most of it. Wow. Do you, yeah. do you think that the backstory in your parents' divorce and the way that that happened affected your ability to see the people coming around you and, and accept that and value it? Do you think there's any connection there or, or might it be the opposite? And so you sort of transcended that anyway? Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I've never, I've never really kind of thought of it that way at all. Um, I think maybe the thing about my parents and their divorce is like, it's always made me, um, 
just want to crave good relationships mm. because it was messy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've always kind of looked for the good in things in relationships and stuff rather than rather than the the horrible stuff because I had I had a lot of that, you know what yeah. I mean? And it was not that it was really obvious to me at the time that it was um that that they were like fighting so much and it was really nasty with each other and that's but um I guess your your subconscious kind of like knows these things and um um yeah just kind of steered me towards I don't know just making the most of of most of the relationships I've had in my life. Yeah. I think that's, I've always seen that with Gareth, you know, he's always been like super, you know, with, with people and, and your story, Gareth, one of the things that really affected me with your story was, was certainly the people part of it. Like people wanted, want the best for us in general and people wanted the best for you. Mm. And, and it's a cool reminder, isn't it? That people are there for you. And like, you know, we might not always realize that, but you, you totally, that part of your story really touched me as how, how amazing the people around you were like, teacher even and like i don't know there were all these yeah. amazing people that came out of the woodwork yeah and that's a cool reminder yeah but i think i think deep down all of us are actually really amazing people and we actually really want to help each other and that's also like what i guess we realize from the podcast and speaking to people that we do we do actually want the good for for you know the best for each other and yeah. we do like to help each other mm -hmm. and yeah, Craig, you, I mean, that was a big part of my recovery, I think, was just having that support and realization that people flip and they want the best for you and they care mm -hmm. about you and that, you know. Um, yeah, like you said, there were so many stories about teachers that would make lunch for a week for my mom and go, here you go. This is for the whole family, you right. know, like, uh, and um, one teacher, Mrs. Ed, she would pick me up she would take me back home after mass class she she because i missed a whole uh term of school which is like yeah. two months um well i was there for like a bit of it but my short-term memory was so bad that i couldn't remember any school <laughs> which is kind of a nice excuse to not write exams <laughs> but <laughs> but um she in the whole school holidays she came into school the whole school holidays just to tutor me to oh. teach me geometry which i had missed that whole um, that whole school term. And there was just so many people like that, you know what I mean? And so many people I don't even know as well. Like, like I won't remember and yeah. all these sort of things. And, um, yeah, I think, I think deep down humans do genuinely want to care and help each other. Mm. Well, so this is what I find so interesting about it is that process as a little kid, you weren't actively choosing like, Oh, I'm going to find the best parts of relationships and latch onto them and value them tremendously and grow from that. Just like I wasn't choosing, like this guy's always falling and like my parents are splitting up. So that means all relationships will end and people will be, you know, unhappy and what it like those aren't those aren't thoughts that people just kind of sit down and have a rational discussion with themselves about it. Certainly not little kids. Um, so I I'm not sure I'm ever gonna find the answer to this, but what leads to one of those choices versus the other? And I use the word choice loosely because you know, kids aren't like proactively choosing it, mm. but it can go different ways. And for you, it went in a way that's nourishing and enriching and valuing. And for other people, it goes in the opposite direction where it sort of reinforces the negativity. And I wonder, you know, is it an optimistic situation aside from the fighting or is it a pessimist? Like, I'm so curious to understand that, but it's, it is, uh, I can see why one set you up for seeing the accident in the particular light that you did. And I mean, you think about Obi's accident and how he was initially focused on the people he expected to show up that didn't. 
Mm-hmm. And that was keeping him from valuing all the people who did show up, whether he expected wow, yeah. it or not. Yeah. Um, he and I talked about that a lot because it really struck me. And I was just thinking more broadly in our lives, how often is that the case? That someone lets us down and when we, mm-hmm. we become overly focused on that. Um, but here it was like you weren't even thinking about whether someone should or shouldn't be there. It was just everything was people, anybody cares about me and cares so much. And taking that valuing and sort of like bringing the warmth of that inside to help you heal and move forward. And I mean, that, like who, who says, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful this happened. There are a few people. And I, I do think it's about that mindset. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I wish I wish there there was an answer. I I I knew why. You know what I mean? It's just a, I don't know. Like I just feel, I mean, I, I have no answer. I'm just literally like lucky that, for some reason, that's the way I'm inclined as a person. Yeah, and you know, that's the way I went. You know, because it could it just could have been so different. I mean, I, I remember my recovery quite clearly, and for some reason, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is in me, but I literally couldn't walk, Brian. I, I was on, I had like serious um, skin grafts on my legs and I had like most of my nerves that were cut, a lot of my mm. calf muscles. So I was, I almost, I had to learn how to walk again, basically. I was on crutches and I, I was only out of hospital, I don't know, maybe say six weeks or something like that. And I, I was still like in a pretty much a daze, but um my parents had a, had a tennis court, um, on the property, but to get to like the road, um, was like a real mission. You had to go between the tennis courts and the, and the brick wall. And then the brick wall was like nine foot or something. If you wanted to get over it to the road and, um, every morning for some reason I woke up at five o'clock, I climbed between the the fence and I'm still on my crutches, right? Climb between the fence and the, the wall and like going like this, the whole way across basically. And, um, with my crutches, I would climb this nine foot wall both ways. And, um, then I would go and crutch myself to, to the gym, which was two K's away. And, uh, I don't know where that came from. Like, it's weird. These, all these things that you say now, like, I don't know where this came from. I don't know why I went one way, like, you know, with looking at people and the recovery and love and then, the, you know, just, I don't know, finding this strength in me to, to do these things and to recover that way. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe it's like some past life stuff or something (laughs) who really knows. Um, but, uh, all I can say is I'm just fortunate that for some reason I've been wired, uh, with that sort of mindset and just approach to life. Do you have any recollection before the divorce, if that's how you were anyway? Um, I think I've all, I don't know. I think I've always just been like a happy kid yeah. and always just enjoyed everything, you know? Um, I, uh, yeah, I've, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I was always just happy. I've always just had good memories of, of pretty much everything I've done. Um, so it's just, maybe it's just a, you, you, sometimes you're just lucky in life and you get handed a certain things and sometimes you're unlucky and you know, this is, Someone was talking the other day about having nine lives as a human and, you know, you have like, <laughs> and I'm like, maybe this is my lucky one as a human. And then the yeah. next one I come is something different and it's, it's just a different challenge. Yeah. Know? But that's a really fascinating thing for me as well, listening to you both speak now, like what is, is it just innately in you or, or can, is there a certain 
tipping point where if something like that happens to you next time, you can kind of like go, okay, I've now because I've had that experience, I've had another experience. Now I'm already framing it in a certain way. Or is there some people, like you say, you could have just gone the other way. Yeah. So can you learn? Is it a learnable skill? That's what I'm trying to wonder. Do you know what I mean? It supposedly is. Um, I think that, so there's this, this whole idea Martin Seligman put forth about learned optimism. Um, this book's like that thick. It, it's long, mm -hmm. but it's brilliant. You can train yourself to be optimistic and to take this sort of approach. The thing I'm curious about is like before we get that active choice to learn it, in our formative years or those early, a lot of people That's who have right. these like childhood, whether you want to call it traumas or challenges or, or what have you, um, before they're, they're in a place where they would make a mature kind of, you know, in, um, like inward facing mm. existential kind of decision like that. Um, what are they set up for and how do they respond to yes. it? And you guys yeah. each had these struggles earlier on. Yeah. Everybody has something. Mm. Um, but like, you know, we can go down these different paths. I interviewed this guy, Jamie J, um, who he starts, he's like, yeah, I had a pretty good, happy childhood. And then he continues to tell the story of his childhood, which includes three different bouts of homelessness and living out of their car. Mm. Like, who starts that story? With, yeah, like a pretty happy childhood. And then he's like, you're not expecting him to say what he's about to say, but he means it. <laughs> like, it's really like, wow. you know, like it's, it's fascinating to me. It's one thing for yeah. that learned optimism choice. It's another one when it just sort of happens. Why is it that? Because if we can figure that out, that would be, and you think of how many kids become troubled adults or teens. That's right. Um, you know, and the, the teen suicide rate, like I think there's an unlock there if it can be discovered. I, I don't know. Totally agree with you. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Craig, I was yeah. going to ask, like, were you, do you have a recollection for yourself through your journey of, a more optimistic outlook or were you more kind of down on it or down on yourself? Like how were you interpreting what you were facing? Oh, wow. When, when, when I was, I was full of inflammation, I was in a lot of pain. It was, it was a dark time for me. I'm not going to lie for a long time. And I, and I, and I went, there were times when I would try to be optimistic. This is, this is kind of why I'm also interested in that question because there were times when I found it very, very, very hard to be optimistic. Mm. I felt really bad. I had to try and man up. I felt like I had to put on this brave face. You know, I didn't feel like I could really be honest to anyone about how I was actually feeling. Um, and there were a lot of shoulds happening there, you know, like I, I felt yeah. that. Um, and, and so it was a dark time for me and I, and I felt like a victim. I felt like, you know, why is this why do I feel like this? I feel like I'm positive in my mind. You know, it wasn't, maybe I wasn't on a deeper level, but I'm like, I feel good. I'm positive. I, I eat well, but I feel so bad, like physically. And so it was a dark time. And I, and I don't know, I, I feel like for me, it was, it was like, it wasn't just a switch. It was a working through progress mm -hmm. or um, process. And, and I guess for me that, that was the, the take home was like, you can work through stuff, I guess. So, so there's different ways that these things in our lives can affect us. And for me, it was, you know, I can in the future, nothing can compare to that really, I feel, um, during those times. So it's almost like the benchmark for what I'm able to get through now mentally has been set a bit higher. Yeah. So, so I'm like, 
I use that in day-to-day things. You're like, oh, I remember when I, you know, felt like that, you know, oh, this is a joke. I'm a bit tired, whatever, get on with it. Yeah. Um, and you have to remind yourself. So let's be all be honest. We have days where you, or I do anyway, like where I'm feeling like, shit, man, it's tough out there, you know? And, uh, and, but we, we have to draw on things in our lives and our friends' lives uh, and our buddies' lives and our people, we've, stories we've heard, draw on those things and be like, cool, man, like, this is really not so bad. And I think coming from Africa, from South Africa, I think it kind of helped us. Hey, Gareth, like mm-hmm. we, we've had this benchmark of like how tough it can be for people. Mm-hmm. And, and so whenever I feel like I'm a ungrateful bastard with something, I'm like, you know what? You better like take a hard look at yourself and just remember like how it is for so many people. And, and I'm also great, even though it's a negative thing in a way, it's kind of like, it's given certainly me some positivity about or, or great gratitude in my life more than maybe if you've always just only seen good stuff in your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not to look at others and be like, Oh, well they have it worth. So I'm not that bad. Like it, it's yeah. not a comparison. It's more like you're saying to your past experiences, like if you've gotten through X, you can get through X plus, you know, what, or like, yeah. you know, whatever, something that's not as severe. So it's like, look, if these people are getting through situations far worse than what I'm facing, surely I can as well. Yeah, it's a surely thing. I like that. Yeah, for sure. And also, like we spoke to someone recently in, on our podcast, and, and I loved what they said, and it's coming back to Gareth's story, is like, if you think about your mate, right, or your sister or someone, you and, and, and you picture them waking up in the morning, what would you want for them? You'd mm. want them to wake up and go man, I feel good. Life's great. I'm, I'm like just on this amazing ride. That's what you'd wish for someone else. And most people are wishing that exact same thing for you. Mm. So why don't you feel that for yourself? And so like try and cultivate that because think of anybody that's close to you, they would wish that for you on a very genuine level, like for you to wake up and have your best day ever. And so like, I don't know, like that's, I think by hearing stories and and realizing that we, we can, try and cultivate that, cultivate that for ourselves. And I know like that's certainly that part of Gareth's story that really helped me realize that too, you know? And just kind of like jumping in there, like this, I guess it all comes back to once again, what we were talking about at the start is around storytelling and, uh, you know, explaining to people who you are and what you've gone through, because, you know, like all the stuff that Craig went through and that he spoke about, um, like really gave me this different like perspective on him as a person. Do you know what I mean? Like, because before, like I knew all of this sort of stuff, you know, I just knew Craig is like this happy guy, like love to like chat to people. Like you can be guaranteed, like if we were on a trip, Craig would have spoken to every single person and like (laughs) made them feel super comfortable. You know what I mean? And networked like a machine with everyone. And, um, you know, that was like my kind of like, like outlook and I was like, Craig, oh, he's this operator and he like this and that, whatever. And I would never have known his whole story and uh, everything that he had gone through. So it's just it's so important to, to find these things out about the people that are close to you because it just adds that layer and you, you get to respect them more. You get to, to cherish them as a person more. And, um, yeah, just, uh, just got to, we just got to like understand each other that, that other, that, you know, that layer deeper to, um, yeah, just be like inspired by those around us. You know, we, we, I think people are always looking for some sort of inspiration in life. And like, you might be looking at a, I don't know, some celeb and like these guys and whatever, and you're like, Oh, I really want to get there. And, um, 
but actually if you you only have to look really close to you you know if you if you uh, for mm. inspiration because the people that are seriously like right by you um, they've got amazing th- things to share and things that they've gone through. And we must never, ever forget that, you know, yeah. never disregard the people that are close to you because mm. that's where inspiration really comes from. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I think that's brilliant. Um, and ultimately from yourself, like get to a place where, um, yeah, you're, you're wishing well for yourself. You're taking inspiration from yourself. You're appreciating what you've done. And, you know, it goes right back to that point, like people who don't think they have a story, what they're saying is, you know, I'm not interesting. There's nothing to learn from what I've been through, which they're telling themselves that too. Like, I can't learn anything from what I've done for myself, which is, um, mm. it's a sad, it's a sad situation that I think a lot of us end up with not really valuing our own experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Sure. And you know, thinking about like aspirate, what you were saying now, Gary, like aspirational marketing. And mm. you think the watch and the car, that, that's what they call uh. it, you know? And you think, actually, I was just thinking about it now when you were talking, like inspirational marketing should be, you know, geez, they got through that. And now look how, how like what an operator Gareth is now. And look what he went through. That's, that's super inspirational. That's aspirational. And, you know, the, I mean, it's like almost like some of the values are just wrong. But I do feel like there's a bit of a shift in the world in terms of that. You know, like people are starting to to realize, okay, let's get real here, people. Mm. The flipping Rolex and that, that's great. I mean, fair enough. If you want that stuff, go right ahead. Yeah. But um, it's like the real aspirational stuff is is definitely deeper than that. Yeah. 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 People, people I think, are craving like um, – or authenticism, if there's that such a word, like, or people being like, you know, authentic now, because there's so much noise out there and people just being morons. And, and <laughs> when people, and we, we can, yeah. we can, we actually start seeing through that, you know what I mean? Um, a lot of people do at least. So yeah, just, uh, I mean, I know Craig and I, we personally crave and sort of gravitate towards people that are, you know, just normal humans that yeah. are willing to say it as it is mm. and not pretend to be somebody or something because what's the point yeah totally i do think um i feel a shift the same one you guys are describing and then i'm also like is it confirmation bias like yeah. <laughs> um because then i think back you know there were the hippies in the 60s in the u.s like there's always been some group that was like you know l- let's put values first and valuable things second or or further behind um it's like someone someone was on rituals podcast talking about how like the world is changing there's more and more vegans and he's like yeah maybe you know like it could also be that like you're in the space so now you're recognizing i think actually there is a shift and that's why like (laughs) beyond meat and um you know the impossible burger and like all these things are are, they're actually they're taking off and they're hard to find Mm. because they're in such demand so I, i think there is a move but when you're in that community, you might see it more. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about that. I do hope that there's a shift. Like I feel it. I hope it's not just because I've surrounded myself with people with that sort of mentality, but I think like we've almost got a dichotomy because there's the whole like, mm. you know, rich kids of Instagram and like, like showing off That's as true. much as you can. But then there's also the people who um, I heard a story from someone who was like, they were talking about getting a new car and someone threw out a Range Rover and their kids were like, you can't do that. Like you cannot, I can't have my parents drive a Range Rover. Like in the U S it's, you know, it's not like a backcountry vehicle. It's like 
hundred thousand yeah. plus like they're big bucks because they're mortified by the idea that people will see them and think like this is a consumption oh. family living in excess um versus you know go back 10 years and the kids would have been like oh my god a ranch yeah that'd be so cool totally totally you know i feel like okay that's a shift um yeah. so yeah things like that are you know n- not knocking people who choose one or the other but i was telling Faye this morning like we were sitting outside at a cafe and uh, my car was parked there and i've just got a used chevy um and i picked someone up from work and they're like oh this is your car <laughs> this is all you have no ways and it was like because i've had a successful career so she just expected like i was gonna have you know mercedes or whatever and it's like it's nothing to do with what i can or can't afford i also have a family and i have a house and it like I don't need to blow my money on my car. Maybe 15 years ago, like I'm a car guy, I probably would have been like, yeah. ooh, I'll get something jazzy. But like my values have certainly shifted. I hear a shift amongst others. And I still see the rap video kind of lifestyle is still out there. Yeah. Um, it, it'd be it's interesting super, how it plays out. It, it will be interesting. It's so interesting, actually, because we, we actually had a, a guy on our podcast, a, a mate of ours, um, who, who we both really, really like and, and, and just like love. Um, and, um, we, we got onto this sort of like subject and he, he talks about, um, he's now like, he's kind of stepped up a level in terms of, you know, I guess his say, status as a person who's more popular and earning more cash and these sort of things. And, um, he, he's like, well, my reality now is like, I, uh, you know, I now fly business and all these sort of things. And, you know, so, but, but he, he'll then like post photos of it, you know, like in business class yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, like, you don't really need to do that to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, like yeah. Th- that's still some sort of like insecurity, like within yourself. I totally agree. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, I challenged that in the, in the podcast and, um, Yes, yeah, so I must say I've never been sort of <laughs> challenged back so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, that's the inferior whatever complex, and I'm like, okay, no, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe not me, maybe you, but, uh, um, but it was just interesting, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? And and um, yeah, I, I, it's weird. Like it depends on I think where you come from, where you're going. Like there's so many, there's so many elements to this whole kind of discussion, you know, because his argument is like, well, I just want to, uh, uh, give other people like, uh, inspiration that have come from the same background as me that they can also do it, you know? So you can, you can see it from that side, but at the same time, I just can't see it at all because I'm like, but, but that's just, um, that's just deep down that that's, uh, you trying to maybe justify it or, or yeah. validate your, yeah. your, your things. But anyway, it's, it's very interesting. And I mean, Craig, what are your thoughts on that, bud? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> We've spoken about, we actually, we we almost got a bit physically ill uh, looking at an advertisement by oh. Grant Cardone. Uh. Um, and he's like licking the the um, emblem jet. of his, uh, oh, that's it. Yes, he was he was licking this jet, his, his private jet. And he was like, oh, this is what I, you know, this Rolls Royce jet. Well, I don't know, whatever the story was. And we were just like, is this is this really happening? Like exactly what you're saying, Brian. Like in this day and age, it feels like we're in this moving in one direction, yeah. and then you see this like total opulence and like money focused drive. Yeah. And you're like, what is happening here? Is this yeah. is this real? But I also th- there's to be fair on everybody, you know, the aforementioned. Um, 
it's like we, we don't want to go live in a cave either so so like it has to be this sort of middle ground like yeah. what 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 is the middle ground is the middle ground like walking around in loincloths again or is the middle ground having nice stuff all of us having nice stuff I, I i don't know like exactly what you were both saying it's a, it is a difficult question because what what car is too nice which yeah. one is going to be the one that people look at and go that's too you've gone too far and then which one is the one where you're like well this one's actually not safe and it's just a horrible old car yeah you know like i don't know i don't i literally yeah, don't know yeah. what the answer is on yeah no i i don't i don't know if there is a a single definitive answer these things are all subjective or they're better for different reasons. It's like, you know, we, we keep calling out to rich roll, but like on, on his show, he's had this debate or he's brought up the point that people who are meat eaters are like, Oh, but it's grass fed. So it's okay. <laughs> like the animals living a, you know, full life and it's, it's out in the one open bad day. And, yeah. Yeah. Except for that one day. But he's like, okay, if you care about the environment, the ecological impact of grass fed is off the charts. Like if you're an environmentalist, you should want factory farming. If you're an animal rights person, well, you shouldn't be eating meat. But if you're an animal rights paleo lover or something or keto or whatever, then like, okay, you want grass fed, but then like, how do you start rectifying, you know, is it a Tesla? Well, what does it take to make the Tesla and the mining yeah. that goes on? And then like, that's also a really expensive car. And it, I, I keep coming back in my head is that uh, you guys know who Shaquille O'Neal is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A basketball player, basketball. For those, like retired now. He does uh, like uh, arthritis pain medicine commercials <laughs> for <laughs> for a pain rub called Icy Hot. But anyway, uh, <laughs> he he had an episode of MTV Cribs back in the day. I don't even know if that's still on. Yeah. But it took it was a double right. episode because his house was so big, and he goes to one level of his house that's all cars. It's like in you know a, a garage is a whole house, a whole floor of his house, and he's got. You know these Ferraris, and I mean, there's tons of cars, and the cheapest one is probably 250k, huh. and he can't sit in at least half of them because he's too mm. big. Wow! And I'm like, for God's sake, like, why do you have that car then? And he's also like, he he would buy scratch tickets, lottery tickets, like by the thousands, because he's just he's making like hundreds of millions a year, so it's like doesn't matter. I'm like, well, what are you gonna do if you win the lottery? You've got clearly more money than you can spend. <laughs> but I was like, you know, so. you could argue he's got the money, he can spend it however he wants. He works for mm -hmm. that. The flip side is instead of having so much that it takes two hours of MTV to show your house and all these things that you can't even get in because you're too big. You mm. could also like eradicate a form of cancer with the, and still live an opulent life. Like, mm. you know, and I don't, I'm not speaking to whether he's philanthropic or not. Like, you know, I'm sure he does lots of good things. It's not meant to pick on him, mm. but there's a level of luxury and enjoyment of your life and all that. And you also can do good from a giving back standpoint by dialing mm. back even just a little bit. Like maybe only have three cars you can't fit in, not six. Okay, mm. well, that's like $1.2 million you could have donated. Totally. Like that, you know? Totally. So it's it's yeah. things like that that start to hit me as like, well, what could I have done differently if I chose this car over that car? Like I could have gotten the new, yes. like unused version of my car, but they happened to have one that had so many thousand miles on it that was in great shape that was like 12 grand off because no one would buy it. I'm like, great, I'm all for yeah. that. Like, what difference does it make to me? I I would much rather, someone's like, would you rather have $12,000 or I don't know, whatever the difference was, like eight grand, whatever it is. Yeah, I would much rather have that. 
but are we making those choices regardless of of whether the you know the exact level of opulence we can have is here or here or what you know whatever yes yeah it's yeah. it's super interesting i think like everyone's normal is different you know, so for Shaq, his normal is like, that's kind of yeah. not, that's not what he's always been used to, but his normal has now become that sort of thing. And, um, it's also ties in, I guess, to kind of what your values are as a person. Yeah. But, but I do feel though, right. Is that we all have a responsibility in life. And I guess the sort of the, maybe the richer you become or the more popular become, um, the more you must recognize that your responsibility becomes bigger yes. in a way. And, and mm. you need to, you, you're, you become a real leader and someone of influence and you need to really be wise with how you use that sort of notoriety and spread a good message that is going to help other people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think that is like so important for people to recognize on their journey towards kind of like becoming well known. Um, but then at the same time, these people don't have like coaches and that to help them. And, and then maybe they've come from a really bad background. So that they just, they're like so happy that they've got all this stuff and they don't, mm. you know, maybe the, the, the EQ is not quite there. Yeah. Um, so but it's just, it's, it's all, it's all, everything's just fascinating. I think when it comes to humans, you know what I mean? There's yeah. so many, so many things to think about and you kind of, you know, you never know everything about everybody and whatever. And it's just, I guess we all just, um, if we can just be observers for a little bit, uh, you know, a bit longer or, or be better observers and just, um, learn from how other people do things, both good and bad, like what you can take and what you should just not do, then, um, yeah, then that's quite powerful. Yeah. And, and I heard a, a really great podcast yesterday off the back of what you guys are both saying uh, by Seth Godin. It was about norms and rules. And I think for me, it, it really struck me it's kind of that the norm, it, we, we should create norms, exactly what you're saying, Gareth, around giving back the, the sort of the further we go because that becomes the norm. And then for your, for your mate, you were talking, Brian, like, you know, oh, oh, look at that car. Like, like we can't have that car. That sort of becomes the norm. Mm. And, uh, and we can create norms. We have the power to do it. It doesn't have to be a rule that you have to go and give when you make X amount of cash. But if you feel like if we as a, as a collective create these norms within, with, 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 you know, within a group of people, that group will grow that the norm is that, you know, you actually help others and you care for others and you look after your staff and you influence people around you first positively, mm. cool, then the norm becomes enforced by the people around you and that becomes a real positive thing. So we have a responsibility um, in our roles, being on podcasts and stuff, to to spread that message so that these things do become norms. So thanks, Seth. Uh, that's a very valuable sort of <laughs> yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. But but it's also it's also kind of interesting like how norms I guess become norms you know because it's often That's just right. a gradual thing and maybe it happens over like I don't know a couple hundred years and then like you know how we live life now is a norm and things that we do so to take for example like you know people getting married and spending like I don't know minimum it seems to be these days is people spend like twenty thousand pounds whatever on a wedding you know it's like and that's the norm. Yeah. But 
why is the norm not to take that 20 grand and go and travel for six months in South America and see the whole world? Like, yeah. you know, cause if you do that, people are like, wow, flipping hell, you're going traveling for six months. I'm like, well, wow, you spend 20 grand on one day getting married. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's uh, it's weird how, how things become normal and, and I guess unnormal as well. Yeah. So yeah, normal, just super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah. in the interest of time and, and actually I think this comes right back to why your podcast exists one of the ways to drive those norms is the storytelling is sharing mm -hmm. the thoughts and the ideas and getting people talking about these things and asking questions like, wait, why did we spend all that money? And, and I seem to remember like, okay, we were like flipping out about this provider who like didn't show up or, you know, like the cake make, like our cake was really dry at our wedding. And so it's like, oh my God, like how much did we spend on that cake? And That's shocking like, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like yeah. the piece we tried was good and the rest of it was dry, but you know, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's it. I, I think it's it's having the conversations and getting people talking about their experiences mm -hmm. and planting those seeds to stop and reflect. And so that's you know I love what you guys are are doing with with your work. Um, I'm just Thank glad you. to to get to be a part of that. I feel like we could and should probably block an entire day if we're ever yeah. going to do this again because the conversations <laughs> wouldn't end. Um, but I do want to respect your time. Uh, real quick, guys, like what's what's the best way for folks to get a hold of what you're working on individually, but also the show collectively. Go ahead, go. Okay, cool. So, so thanks a lot for, uh, yeah, for allowing us that, uh, Ryan. So the best way like uh, for the podcast is just to go to um, our website. It's um, www.ridiculouslyhuman.com. Really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> um, we chose a nice website name there. No, no, it's actually a lie. No, it's I was going to say. I'm like, no, I've got, we've got both websites, sorry, but it's, um, it's ridic-human.com. So right, I'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, you'll, you'll share it. So, and, and then just in terms of my personal stuff, it's uh, garethmartin.net. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess we just, we both love hearing from people and we love to interact and just, you know, if people have got uh, things they want to ask us, then awesome. If uh, they've got people that they want us to maybe talk to, um, then also cool. So, yeah, thanks so much for giving us that opportunity, Brian. Yeah. And uh, we are, just to add on a little bit there, we're, we're also uh, running uh, or starting a sort of a micro-influencing uh coaching program called superhumanship and we, we're expanding on it th that at the moment so we're just going to punt that a little bit and so thanks for the opportunity and uh yeah I, we're just so grateful for your time today you, you can catch me personally at dr craig haywood uh sorry dr craig chiropractor.com.au um and uh yeah we're just super grateful like we, we i love the synergy i love the the connections and the confluence of people yeah. and events and stuff so I, I just it's super inspiring just to have these conversations and this is why we do it guys at the end yeah. of the day we all get off this call we're all like pumped well certainly yeah. i can speak for myself and and now i'm going to have an epic day at work <laughs> and it's going to be <laughs> awesome because I, yeah. I got to speak to some cool people so let's hope that this sort of spreads uh, more and more you know that what we're doing so thank you so much i love it now here's the the hardest part of the whole thing is to do the closeout with three people, and I guess see uh, I don't know if I need to like count you guys down or signal to you to try to say it. So we'll I think we just go with it and see. Oh okay. yeah, um, cool. You guys ready? Yeah, we're right. yeah. ready, bud. I, so, I just wanted to say also just yeah, thank yeah. you so much for having us, but it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a. Uh, 
always um, an unrewarding sometimes job being like a podcast host because so much goes into it. And um, there's, uh, or, or not unrewarding, but like unrecognized, should I say. And, um, you know, what you're doing and uh, the value that you're providing is is awesome and i just want uh, all your listeners to to realize that so much goes into these sessions and um yeah just to really uh, you know to listen to them and, and and take as much as they can so thank you well thanks for that you guys definitely get it too um that's the one thing you figure out first when you start your own show it's like oh my god it's way it's way more work than let's just hop on record a little bit pop it out on itunes no 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 uh, way. yeah it is, it is that. there's just like 53 other hours that goes into that half hour career. exactly <laughs> you <laughs> did a great job of it and it's keep it up it's super Thank inspiring you. uh it's well yeah. worth it i uh actually like yes i get people downloading but i don't i i get so much out of this even if no one downloaded i would still do it um so yeah. you get chances like this um Cool. I've I've had a blast. So yeah, I'm pumped up and I still have work to do. So I will I will do nice. the same as you. Um <laughs> so yeah, we're good to go to close out. Yeah, we're yeah. good, bud. Yeah. Right, the moment of truth. Today's a new day. Go, go out and do take it. it. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> take it, isn't it? No, let's do it. Oh damn it. I've never heard that. take oh. it. That's it. <laughs> hey, no, let's no, no. Can we do it one more time. We're gonna do it one more time. We can. I think it's kind of fun yeah. too, but if you <laughs> okay, take two. All Loop right. is real. Today is a new day. Go, Go out and, and do it. Do it. Awesome. <laughs> uh, classic. Thanks Craig, so much, you're like guys. in slow motion. Yeah, yeah awesome. Good job. <laughs> For, since no one can see, like they're counting down with their fingers to try to align. It's good fun. Uh, no, awesome, Thanks, guys. Uh, Thank you so much. All right, bud. Thanks Thank a lot, man. Brian. Thanks. Aren't those guys the best? Craig and Gareth are amazing. I'm so glad I had them both on at the same time. I think... Obviously, they could each be their own episode, but it's really fun getting the combination of the two and the way they play off each other and uh, and support each other. Like you can feel that in the way they tell stories and the way that they make points and then add and build to what each other's saying. Uh, it's really it's really cool. It was neat being a guest of theirs and then seeing them kind of flipping the roles and how they how they work together in both of those roles. Super interesting. I love their stories too. Uh, what the two of them have been through very different backgrounds, but both have these points of choice, these points of growth, these points of challenge, and the way that they've been through that, the way that it's informed how they relate to others and built them in that respect. I think there's a lot of lessons there. You know, Gareth put it so well, and I think this, this is the challenge that I'm taking from this episode is to be an observer of the good out there. Super, super valuable. So, of course, you can check out their show and everything they're doing at ridic, R-I-D-I-C-human.com. You definitely need to go and listen. They have incredible guests. You may not even know just how much effort they put into each episode, how much studying they do. It blew me away. Like, I didn't give them anything, really. And they sent me this document with all these details that they had pulled out from listening to other episodes that I was on. And researching it's just like they pour so much of themselves into making the best show possible it's it's pretty outstanding so definitely check out the ridiculously human podcast and you know, hear these stories that they're talking about like it's so crucial to everything they're trying to achieve and of course crucial time for me 
You guys have heard me talk about this a bit, but my next book is coming out, and I'm very excited about it. It's really cool getting the final details together. This is one I've been working on a really long time. It was a very different experience than writing Do a Day. This is the 50-75-100 solution, build better relationships. You can get updates and make sure you don't miss its release by going to brianfelchuk.com and making sure you're signed up for my news list, my, uh, my updates, I don't send many, but this is one of the few things I will be sending just to let you know, hey, pre-orders are live. You can grab a copy of the book. It's pretty cool. If you haven't seen my second TED Talk, that's what the book is all about. So you can get a little like little 15 minute, I think it's like 14 minutes and 21 seconds or something. You get a little teaser, a little introduction to the ideas in the book. And that's at brianfalchuk.com slash TEDx. It's the second talk in there. The first one's on Do A Day, which I'm sure you know all about. But if you don't, you can always go to doadaybook.com and learn more and pick up a copy of Do A Day. All right, so you're going to go to redict-human.com. You're going to check out the podcast and subscribe to it. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you're going to do that on iTunes. And please leave us a review, a comment. I want to hear what you guys think, and it helps the show to grow. And if you like what Gareth and Craig are putting out in the Ridiculously Human podcast, do the same for them. They're outstanding, and they deserve all the recognition and praise that they've been getting. Okay, I'm going to close things out there. Have an amazing day. It's a new one. You always get that opportunity with each of these days to go out and do it. Thanks, everyone. Take care.